You went from three <laughs> against Brentford, and then I took about the Champions League of. That's like Stephen Hawking saying, "I'm going to run in the Olympics next year." Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> relax, <laughs> relax, relax. Slow down. Hello and welcome to the BTP podcast. I'm your host today, Karis, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Kevin, Denzel, and we're bringing back our old guest, Ollie. Um, so yeah, it's been a very, very exciting weekend for all of us. As we've seen, United got slapped up 4-0 by Brighton. Then we look at the Chelsea game as well. They dropped points too, which means that my team is only one point behind Chelsea right now. So yeah, it's not been a bad weekend. I don't know about you guys, but... I think we should start with United because I think that's the funniest result of the weekend. So I'm going to go to Kevin first because he's our resident Man United fan. So tell me how you felt about the game. And yeah, I can't wait to hear all these tears. So I think how I want to say it is essentially Rangnick, a lot of people will disagree with what I have to say, but I feel like Rangnick's tenure as an interim manager has been successful, not on the pitch, but has been successful in terms of he's exposed all the right things he has, that he has to expose. So... I would like to bring attention to the CDM in Brighton. His name is Caicedo. Caicedo, right? Yeah, Moise Caicedo. Yeah. So the United scouting team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, said that he's not good enough, and based on the scouting report that they had orchestrated at the time, said that they don't think he would mesh quite well in the Premier League. That same guy won the midfield battle against who was it? Fifty-year-old Matic, I believe. Um, Mata played, didn't he? Mata played. Yeah, yeah. Had to play that McTominay, right? So McTominay, yeah. He's always there. My problem is this is actually the worst United team in history. And we're about to get our lowest ever Premier League points tally, right? And I like the fact that the agenda has Pogba today, but Pogba is not the problem. Like, I even overheard the United stand, not to at anybody, saying that, oh, Pogba's tenure has been disappointment. Like, he's the only one to blame. No, he's not the only one to fucking blame. We, he went from playing with Perlo, Marquisio, real talented bowlers to go play with Fred and McTominay, right? <laughs> we're going to sit here and say that he is the problem and he's the reason why his United tenor was not successful, that he's too problematic, he's too much of a rebel. Look at this team. And let's be very honest, a lot of the United legends that we call today, they were never, ever level-headed individuals. But I'm going for the badge now, ain't that, ain't that what you guys want? Passion. But the problem is passion... But McTominay get gets it. If, if, if <laughs> Mr. McSaw... If Pasha was bull, Scotland would have a World Cup. Moldova <laughs> would have a World Cup. But that's not what wins you games. But to bring attention to the game, I know derailed too much because a lot of pain in my heart right now, yeah, is Rangnick himself does have an element of blame in the game. So I, well, I, hate, I can't stand Elanga right now, but at least Elanga was tracking the run of Cucurella, right? He took off Elanga and put on Cavani. By the way, how low of a team are we to allow Cavani back into the lineup, especially how he's disrespected us all year, right? He takes off Elanga, puts on Cavani. Cavani's not tracking the run. Cucurella completely dominates the whole game. He was the best player on the pitch. He's fantastic, by the way. Oh, don't gas him. Don't gas him. No, this I'll take him. Out. No, I nah, swear. He's unreal. I'm not joking. He's unreal. He starts for Arsenal. I'm not even joking. He's that good. He was the best player on the pitch. And we have a five-time Ballon d'Or winner up front. Cucurella <laughs> was, was the best player on the pitch. Hold that. Diego Delo, <laughs> oh my god, I, I Diego Delo, yeah, it's like picking between shit and shit of him. It's just like <laughs> damage limitation playing Diego Delo. So <laughs> bad, he's so bad. Like I, I just 
I genuinely can't don't know how to actually analyze the game. And I can't stand the fact that a lot of United legends, there's just so much thing to get off my chest. United legends are now saying, oh, United is a is a team that is in a really low place. But when Oli was here, they were saying, oh, you know, you have to give him time to give him time. Now Ranić is here. They're saying, oh, we're a really, really bad place, which they're right. But we're just, we're just shriveled around like um, propaganda. So we're never, ever going to improve. And Ten Hag will go through the same thing. Like... Fucking hell, man. I won't even lie to you. The game was... I switched off after like 40 minutes, man. I'm so sorry. It was too much. I want to ask any of you... I'm going to go to Oli. What do you think of Varane's performances this season? He's been shit. I can't lie. <laughs> he's, he's been uncharacteristically poor, I think. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we, we're just now learning from him that he's one of those players that needs uh, a bit more sort of quality around him in order to perform. That doesn't mean he's bad. Um, it just means that, you know, like perhaps they, he's he's used to a certain caliber of player around him. And maybe in that, in the heart of that United defense, you know, he's not really had it. You know, like if you've got uh, Wambasaka to your right and Maguire to your left, what, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, your only option is McTominay ahead of you. You're going to, you're going to find it difficult to, to play the way you want to play. Maybe, yeah, you know, like, and, and fair to him as well. I think he's also been injured at points in the season. Um, he's had a, I think he's had a bit of a hard go of it um, as sort of like a debut season in the Prem. Um, I think maybe United fans were a bit naive to think it would all click so quickly with, you know, Ronaldo, Sancho and Varane. Um, and uh, I think, I think, you know, um, they were probably, you know, I, I think United has bigger problems at a club right now than him personally. Um, you know, but I, I think he needs to, he needs to improve. But he'll he'll stay there for a few more seasons, I think, and I I reckon he'll probably end up coming around and be a reasonably solid defender, and everyone will see him for the for the class player he is. It's funny because when um, United bought him, everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, Ben White's fifty million, and Varane, you know, won the Champions League X amount of times, and you know he's going to carry United's defense." Ben White season has been that's, that's my centre-back. astronomically clear of Varane. And it just goes to show that, you know, spending big on a player that's like proven elsewhere and one X, Y, and Z doesn't necessarily mean they're going to come to a Premier League and tear up. I mean, as a Chelsea fan, we've seen it loads of times and we've got our own situation here with Lukaku where we spent, honestly, what our record transfer fee on a striker because, you know, he did X, Y, and Z in Italy and he won the Scudetto with them. He's come here and he's absolutely struggled. Like It just goes to show that you can do all the scouting and buy a player who you'd assume is, you know, he's a big name. He's going to be perfect for us. And they will struggle. The Premier League is a different animal. You know, you can win everything in one league and come here and be, have your eyes opened. It just goes to show that, you know, it's not that easy, even for a player of Iran's calibre to come in and settle straight away. I think it'll take him like another season. And as well, they need to pair him with better defenders because like Oli said, partnering him with Maguire and Juan Bissaka is like, what are his options really? Even the best quality players still need quality players around them to thrive. Do you think, um, do you think that Arsenal actually, uh, Karis, do you think Arsenal do better with um, Varane in, in that, if he, if Varane theoretically signed for you guys instead, instead of White, do you think you'd have a better back line now? Or do you think you're actually, you're happier with having Ben White? It's fun to say that because of, <clears throat> when you look at Varane's CV and pedigree, like straight away you'll be like, yeah, you should take him in a heartbeat. And I'm not saying Varane is bad. He's a very, very good defender. Or at least he's shown that throughout his career. But I'm like really happy with Ben Wright right, right, right now. And it's because like his quality on the ball, like it's just so underrated for us. And I feel like we've gotten a player that suits our needs the best. So 
I'll still take Varane, no doubt, but I'm really happy with Ben White right now. But I feel like any United defender would look better in our defence than theirs because I feel like it's a systematic problem. Like, put it this way, Maguire has not been playing for the last however many games now. And like, I don't rate Maguire that much. I'll be honest, I don't really. But Maguire looked better in our defence because I think our system is much better. Even guys like Rob Holding have managed to body Lukaku and look decent. So we would make even Maguire look half decent in our defence. So imagine Varane in our defence, he'd look amazing. So I feel like it's more of a systematic problem rather than a problem to do with an individual player, if anything. And as well, Ben White is a better fit for Arsenal as well because he's a bit of a utility player. I think he play he can play right back as well, right? Yeah, he can play right with back. With both feet as well, which is very, you know, very Arsenal good for, for passing the ball around. Yeah, a team like Arsenal, Ben White's a perfect fit for the fact that he can play that extra position as well. Whereas I think a team like United, they're the way they set their teams up is more like they want burner fire players in just that one position. They don't really look for players who can like, oh, can he play centre-back and right-back as well? Whereas Arsenal kind of wants that profile in players because they like to rejig their teams quite often to fit players who are, you know, can be ball-playing. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Can we ask Kevin, what do you think of this sort of question that Oli asked, whether, you know, we'd take Varane or if he would look better with us or, you know, whether individual players are the problem or, you know, is the system as a whole really? And I'm interested to hear what you think as well. It's 100% the system. Like I think it's very difficult to analyse Varane just based on this season because we've had a lot of problems even outside mm. of football. But I think the best examples we can use is Arsenal in the situation of Ben White and Chelsea in the situation of how successful Thiago Silva's been. I feel like Varane would be fantastic if you're looking at how Thiago Silva has been out at Chelsea. Because everyone ruled him out as some retirement home player, but he's been relatively, he's been really, really good. So Varane would be a monster for Chelsea. But I think... One thing about Ravan is that he's not really been readily available um, because of injuries. Two, if you look at the goals, oh my God, like 70% of the goals has been Maguire's fault or the fullback's fault. So he's not necessarily, not the first one I'll point out if I have to say one of them has to go in defence. But one thing I will say is that this season has kind of put into perspective for me that Sergio Ramos really is one of the, probably the best defender of our generation mm-hmm. because the flaws of Varan. I feel like if Sergio Ramos, especially in his prime, was in our defence, those were probably hidden. Because we kind of want a player who bounced off of his partner to now be our main man. And it's not really working, if you know what I mean. So I believe that's very much a system thing. Do I believe it was the smartest decision to go for Varane during this time? No, because we're meant to be in a rebuild. I have to commit to a rebuild. Like Varane is one of those other players I like to... You remember I coined the term... Um, cherry on top type of player mm. you want to build a foundation you get like a Ben White type the hard utility man do all the running around die for the badge type of thing Varane is a Ferrari you know what I mean right now we, we need to get I won't say courses but we need to get like a a nice A class you need like a Just VW black. Polo yes a Polo <laughs> a Golf GTI type of thing that's what we need yeah. do you know what it is yeah like you said with the whole rebuild thing I think Varane is still not a bad signing if you consider that if United had bought other young centre-backs, like, say, like, Chelsea's been linked to this guy called um, Gleison Bremer, yeah, who I haven't watched that much, but just seen some highlights. And he's... Brazilian really, guy. Yeah, he's like a... Almost like a young Rudiger, kind of. He's got that kind of type, but he's more composed. If United had signed someone like that and then still had Varane, the problem is you can't have too many young players. So Varane is perfect for the type of player who's won everything and has that experience and would teach your younger centre-backs something to do or like to learn off of him. 
But to have Varane by himself in a team that's so discombobulated, it doesn't work. Like you guys needed a new younger centre-back to pair with Varane, in my opinion, where that would have worked better. But because your defence and everything else as a whole is a mess, Varane looks out of place. He looks... You need like a... Well, I think the thing, it like like what Kevin was saying, is going back to like the system. But let's not forget, like the season was kind of over like once Oli went. And, and you know, like appointing Ralph Ranić in the first place was never to be like, oh, look at this amazing manager we've got. You know, like it, it was, look, this guy's going to be an interim and then he's going to go upstairs where he actually does the be- better work than he does on the pitch. So I think really for United this season, it was sort of about like consolidating their losses and 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 making the situation that they were, were going through a little bit more bearable. And it's sort of like, you know, it's the low point and you build from here. You know, because once Rangnick goes uh, upstairs next season, you've got Ten Hagen, immediately things are going to improve a little bit because you've got a proper manager in, in the dugout and you've got a proper footballing mind upstairs. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's a it's a bit of a strange thing in the first place for Rangnick to actually be brought in as interim manager. But if that's what it took to get him to go upstairs, then arguably you can still say it was the right decision long term for United. I, I completely agree. But like... It's just, uh, it's, it's one of the most confusing teams ever because if you look at elements of our team, you think we have a team that is basically about to retire. Then in other aspects, you look at a team that's about to enter their prime. And in certain positions, you're just like, oh, this is an up-and-coming player. So it's a very confused team. But looking at Varane, Cavani, it's just back to the scouting. Like Varane's always had a shaky injury record. And also, I would like to bring to attention the circumstances as to which we actually acquired Varane. Let's be very honest. If his relationship with Fiorentino Perez was good, I don't believe Varane would have come to United. What's he doing? You're constantly winning the league or constantly winning Champions League. I know they're trying to sneak in the fact that, oh, he wanted a new challenge. Bullcrap. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't there contract dis- disputes in his final season? Yeah. And <clears throat> what's funny as well is, apart from those contract disputes, <clears throat> sorry, I feel like you shouldn't have bought Varane also because he's not really a lead attack centre-back. Like, put it this way, people forget that other than Ramos' aggression, he's very good at his passing. Like, you know, his long-range passes that he can do. Like, people don't mention that enough. That guy was a leader in every sense. As a technical player, as a brutish player, as, you know, a leader of men, basically. He could do everything. And all Varane had to do was, you know, just fill in the gaps, fill in the holes. When in his last season, Varane was with Milichal, there's a little bit of, you know, cracks there. You saw when City played Real Madrid in Champions League and... Jesus stunked on them in the air and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, again, this is not this in Varane. He's been a very good player for most of his career, but I do firmly believe that United shouldn't have signed him in the first place. So I kind of divert. What do you say again, Kevin? Uh, the cherry on top type of player or what? Yeah, like a Rolls Royce kind of player. United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very much that, to be honest. Like, he's a good player, but United bought him at the wrong time, at the, the wrong phase of their progression right now. So I feel like. Maybe to move on, we should look at Pogba's situation. Now, it's funny that he's someone that gets a lot of blame, mm. whereas Fernandez played that little left-sided role that Pogba used to play for United quite a lot and didn't really do that much, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't really feel like I saw much of him in that game. Mata wasn't great. Elanga wasn't good either. Ronaldo was just pretty much isolated. So, um, in terms of Pogba, what would you guys say about his time at United and what clubs do you think he could go to because there's been links with Manchester City especially that have caught everyone's eye for sure. I would love for that to happen. For him to go to City and just for the whole United fan base to have a meltdown and talk about, oh yeah, he's just loyal, fuck Pogba, this and that. I would love that. But <laughs> on a more serious note, I think 
in my opinion, they've wasted six years of his career, right? He came there, you know, it was the whole, like, coming back home thing. And, you know, he was basically meant to be the face of the club, you know, had massive kit sales and everything and the whole... Storms in the adverts. Yeah, like, it was a huge moment in football. And I feel like the way it went wrong is they bought Pogba thinking that buying him alone would fix everything. I think what they should have done was bought Pogba and built a team around him. But they didn't do that. They just bought him then, put him in the midfield and assumed that everything else would just fall into place. I think I mentioned it in that, either the episode, the last episode or the episode before that one, but Pogba at his time in United has literally played every position bar, I think, right back, which is bad. Like he shouldn't have to ever play that many positions. He's a player that when you buy him, you buy him for that one specific role and he can focus on what he does best, which is controlling the midfield and orchestrating. But the problem with United is, similar to Chelsea, they made him as a statement signing and just assumed that everything else would work out. I feel like what they should have done in that six years was, okay, they've bought him as a mid- in the midfield. They should have gotten two other midfielders to pair with him, sorted out their defence, sorted out their attack. And I think that would have been a team that would have been challenging City right now, season, season the way Liverpool is. But again, they just bought him and assumed, you know, this one signing is going to fix everything where that's just not how it works. And I feel like if he doesn't, if he leaves United, which I, he definitely will leave United in summer, in my opinion, um, him going to City would be great for him. I feel like Pep is definitely, if not the only manager that can bring back that Juventus Pogba. I mean, if you look at the City... And France Pogba, to be fair. Yeah. He would be unreal for City. He would be, he would be absolutely ridiculous. Imagine a midfield with Pogba and De Bruyne. Like, they're dominating every single midfield week in, week out, like... That's just yeah. an immense amount. And the front. And yeah, hey. amazing when it comes to transforming players. Like, he can definitely rejuvenate Pogba. And I feel like as much as United fans would hate for it to happen, it would be the best move for Pogba. I don't think him going to PSG would be the best move for his career. I feel like it's very little challenge over there. You know, it's kind of like a Neymar leaving Barcelona to PSG situation where it's an easy path, but it's not, they're not going, he wouldn't win the Champions League. With PSG, in my opinion, not even with. I, I reckon he will go to PSG. Uh, I, you know, I think um, if you know, there aren't many players who are gonna. There aren't many teams that are gonna be able to offer the prestige and the money. You know, look, you can pay with Messi and Mbappe and Neymar every week, and we'll pay you six hundred thousand a week, five hundred thousand a week, whatever it's gonna be. You know, and and then pretty much all he's gonna have to do is just more or less sit there, and titles will just roll in. Uh, you know, like it's it's a bit better than a bit better a situation than slumming it at United. But remember that Mbappe is going to leave as well. That's true. He's definitely going to Real Madrid. Like that's pretty much known information now. But having said that, I feel like the type of player Pogba is, and as well knowing his family situation, they've been in England for what six years now. It would be easier for them to stay in Manchester where they're all comfortable and just move to see. And I feel like at City, he would very much be a star player there as well. I don't see him having to be on the bench or having to rotate that often. Like you, A player like Pogba, you don't leave on the bench. And as well, with City's quality as well, and some players leaving, like players like Fernandinho is going to leave. Um, possibly, I don't know this, but maybe Gundogan might leave. There's enough options in there for Pogba to be ahead in the pecking order. And I feel like besides De Bruyne, he would definitely be the second name in that midfield to start. So... It won't happen, but my 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 actual dream scenario is if uh, Pogba went to Roma with Mourinho, back to Italy, back to his old stomping grounds to just like. <laughs> and I bet I I bet you him with Mourinho would like something in him, and he he he'd, he'd absolutely ball out. I bet you. Yeah, 
I think him, Mourinho, Tammy, that whole setup they've got over there would be amazing. But wait, yeah, my, my take off football. Oh, sorry, wait, see No, I just said it's not happening because why would he leave to go and play Conference League football or Europa League? <laughs> Someone who called him a virus, but I think my take on Pogba starting from the beginning was it was a uh, the conversation that we were having here is something you would expect in the boardroom. So when you're saying, Oh, Pogba and Man City, then just says things on the long lines of passing range, pep style, things that you would expect. But you have to remember that the way the United board is, all they probably saw was the merchandising. Let's let's look at the first like things that were coined under Pogba Pog Boom. I haven't heard that in a while, obviously, Swansea. <laughs> The whole announcement thing was so Hollywood. So you have to remember that the reason why the, the signing would have failed from beginning is because Pogba wasn't bought for footballing reasons. Pogba was bought for marketing reasons, for shirt sale reasons. That's the first issue. The second issue was Pogba came out in a time of the galactical transfer idea in the sense of, you know, I just buy any big name they can get. The problem with that is that the galactical era only worked the time it did is because... Social media was on the rise, but it wasn't where it was now. So as much as the Dan and Beckham and all of that would be nice to, to sell shirts, these men were primarily just for their football. But the time we are in now, it was all about marketing. So any signing that was made wasn't that, oh, this striker has a style of play that matches Pogba's long-range passing. It was more of a case of, hmm, if we have Pogba and Zlatan together, the shirt sells. And, and his trim. And his trim. You get what I mean? <laughs> Do you remember that emoji that he had? Yeah, oh, pug emojis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the emojis, the dabbing, him and Lingard were dancing in the Emirates every single time they played Arsenal. Um, I think my second issue is I will sit here and I will say if Pogba decides to go to Man City, I'm not going to have a problem with it. Reason being is it's a two-way street. If you disrespect your player every single time, I don't know why we are not expecting him to be loyal to us. But uh, and I still think Pogba will still be loyal just because I don't think Pogba's a scumbag. As much as people think he's a rebel, a lot of the better players in world football have been a rebel. Everyone has, call, everyone has to call Messi this like God's child, but every you know how many times this guy has quit on Argentina or how many times he fought for a new contract in Barcelona. None of these players are actually really these kumbaya type of guys. These even, guys Rooney, are, even Rooney at your own club as well. Rooney did Rooney threaten to join Chelsea? Even Rooney with his contract. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't think Pogba's a scumbag, so I don't think he'll join Man City. But even if he decides to join Man City, he's been racially abused, disrespected, even though he's one of the best players on our on the team or in, on the pitch on the day for a lot of the time. So why are we expecting him to be loyal? Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, to- generally, generally speaking, I think he deserved better, for sure. You know, like you say, you should have built a team around him. And, it, and instead, you know, they, they've got him almost playing like a utility thing because, because he is... In my opinion, he's probably the most naturally gifted player at United. And so if you take him and, and he's he's a brilliant centre midfielder, but you surround him with dross, basically, and then you go, well, he's not working out at left mid, you know, so-and-so we bought, so we'll move Pogba there and then we'll move him back to right mid and we'll move him to CDM and Cam and false nine and right winger and all the rest of it. You know, like I think that's just some of the stuff he's played this season. It's, it's very clear that, like, they don't, a lot of the managers who come in either can't handle him because of like, you know, like you say, he's a bit of a rebel or that they don't really know where to play him because there are so many gaps elsewhere in the team. I think another thing as well is um a lot of football fans are naive in terms of you buy a player and they just expect that because he's such a statement signing, 
he will fix everything. But that's not how football works. If you look at even like prime Barcelona's midfield where they had Javi Busquets, Iniesta, that midfield was amazing because of those three guys. If you removed any one of them, it'd be great, but not as great as when all three are there. Quality only shines when there's quality surrounded by that quality as well. So like, you can't expect one man to carry the entire midfield week in, week out and not ev- <clears throat> eventually falter. So the problem is they bought Pogba and that was it. You know, they had him playing alongside like Matic, who's like, he, at the time he'd left Chelsea and was already like, what, 27, 28. It was kind of like already at the tail end of his career, you know. Even funnily enough, we're talking about tail end of careers, but when United bought Mata recently, I only found out they bought him when he was 26. But I find that hard to believe because the way he's played at United, you'd think they bought him when he was like already finished. You know, he's had a really mm-hmm. bad time at United as well, which is surprising because Mata was arguably one of Chelsea's best midfielders. I mean, he absolutely lit the Prem up when he was under Mourinho there. So even when they took him as well, and then that all went downhill, I think there's more of an issue there than the players themselves. It's just, like you said, it's, it's a top to bottom problem. But Kevin's right. It's like, it's all about merchandising, you know, like it's all, it's all about that, you know, like, and it's not going to change until you've got like a, a change in, in the system, even when Ed Woodward left and all of that, that didn't change a thing. Uh, you, you know, like you, you, Man United are run more like a business than, than most clubs, you know, like, because they are arguably the biggest club in the world in terms of like having the biggest reach, you know, you say what you want about Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, whatever, Man United, if every, every country in the world has a Man United fan, at least, you know, a few. And so when, when you, when you have a command over that many people and that many people's money, you are going to just do stuff for, for, for business reasons instead of footballing reasons. Cause why wouldn't you? And it's a shame that United have not made so many good decisions over the years, but I feel like if there's anything that Kevin and other United fans can take is that it seems that even though things have been bad on the pitch, at least off it, Ranić and Ten Hag is already a, like a few good stepping stones and hopefully it continues on to something good. But at least what I can say is from my experience with Arsenal and Arteta and we're still going through the process is that you can never cheat a rebuild. So... Like, I do question if your club decides to buy a 33-year-old striker because, you know, they think it's going to work for however long. Like, you know, you need players that actually suit and players that are young that, you know, they can grow up and play for you in their prime and all that sort of thing. And going back to Pogba before we move on to Chelsea, um, I feel the same as Kevin. I don't feel like Pogba's that much of a scumbag to be like, I'm going to go move to my rival club. Like, and anyway, I'm not sure if there's a place for him at City unless... Bernardo or Gundogan leaves Manchester City and we'll see if that does happen because it's clear that SC are interested but you know we'll see if Pogba is too um, but there's a place for him at PSG because if you look at their lineups that they've done recently they play like a 4-3-3 and flipping what's his name Danilo Pereira still starts for them so Pogba can still start for them on the left of a midfield three there's actually a place that is tailor-made for him to start so yeah, yeah right. anything I'm, else before we move on you're about to move on. I'm not going to go too long on it, but just not 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 to be the, the bearer of bad news, but I will lie to you. After watching Brighton's game yesterday, my fear for the potential failure of Eric Ten Hag got that much bigger. There's actually a very real possibility that Eric Ten Hag is still going to fail because the mentality is, is just... It's just so bad. You can't even win a power league game with a bad mentality, not to talk of Premier League football. So... There's a very real possibility that Eric Ten Hag is going to come here. These prima donnas are just going to 
give up on him like they did Ranik and Oli. And I, I just, I don't know, man. United is a very dark place. Put it this way. You're just like under Arteta as well. I'm not saying that we're the finished product yet, but you're going to have to rip out your whole squad. And it's something that Ten Hag, before you came, he was like, okay, I need like autonomous power to do whatever I want. So he'll be allowed to rip up the whole squad. Trust me on that one. Because even Arteta, he managed to get out. Meza Ozil got out. Maitland Niles got out. Aubameyang. Lacazette's going soon. Who else did he let out of this club? There's more. It's just not coming in my head right now. Um, Kratis and Mustafi. Bellerin. He probably will be sold, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he'll be sold for sure. Yeah. So loads of people have gone, really. So the same happened at United. That's so many fan favourites that you don't know why they're favourites anyway. They'll be gone. So for sure that will happen. Just whether, you know, he can find the right players. That's really it. Yeah. I think it'll be good to look at Chelsea's game, which is making me smile because I'm not sure. We won't finish third anyway, to be really honest. But we're one point behind them now because Chelsea decided that they were going to draw with Wolves. And it's quite funny because I feel like they played well for like 70 minutes of the game. Then in typical Chelsea fashion, just individual errors came into it. And the rest is history. Cody got a 90 plus seventh minute equaliser. And yeah, Wolves went delirious. So I don't know. What do you guys think of how the game went? Do you know what? It's just, it pretty much sums up our last 10 games, to be honest. It's the same bullshit that we've been doing. Like Lukaku actually had a decent game for once. And I feel like when we've bought him, that's always been what we've known him to like. He plays in that channel role. For a lot of the time we've been playing him, we've tried to play him as a sole striker and it just doesn't work. He can't be isolated trying to hold up the ball and deal with that. It, just, it doesn't suit his play style. So instead we played Pulisic, Werner and Lukaku. And he was doing well. You know, He scored that penalty. <clears throat> he grabbed that second goal. And I was thinking, you know what? This is kind of what we expected when we bought him. You know, he showed his worth that game. The game got thrown when, as much as I love Tuchel, he's been making some suspect decisions recently. I don't understand his decision oh. to bring on Malang Sar. I've said this time, <laughs> and time again. <laughs> I'm a, That's my centre-back. is a shit football player. <laughs> bring him on in a game like that. Like, what were you actually thinking? You could have bought on Chaloba. If he bought on Chaloba, yeah. I'm very certain we would not have lost that game. Man, it's, just, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, so-and-so's a, a Rolls-Royce footballer, a Corsa or a Polo. Like, Malang Sar's like a reliant Robin with one door. Like, <laughs> he's just, like, he's just, he's just not got it all. Like, you know, and he, and a rate is athleticism and that's basically it. He should run, he should just run track and field instead because... I, I just I don't see him really. I, I I just don't see him being a long-term player for Chelsea. Yeah, he's got a bit of utility, but he, he he's not really at the standard. And and fair play to Wolves in a way for having a sort of like a never say die attitude. They were even trying to win the ball back in their own corner flag at 96 minutes, you know, and 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 it led to a goal. So you know you can't fault them on that. But um, you know, like I feel like uncharacteristically recently, like you know we uh, the the rest of the team let Lukaku down. Um, who who actually had a very good game? He listened, Denzel. Um, yeah, you know, and it's just oh. like it's it's it, it's a hard one to take because it's a draw that feels like a loss. And you know, it, it, there are a lot of other factors this season. You know, countless ones that are affecting Chelsea this season. But I think like in the last ten games is where it's everything's kind of culminated and really has started to affect Chelsea with the sanctions and the sale and like you know playing so many games you know like played something like five million games this season you know and you know covid and all the rest of it you know like maybe you can say some of those are excuses maybe they are but 
you know they they have some effect and over time it's going to sort of make make it worse and it's finally sort of caught up with us i think and we're sort of just kind of trying to limp over the line now um as well you know it doesn't help that like a lot of more or less three quarters of our like starting back line who won the champions league have all already more or less signed for other teams so they're already on the beach a lot of the, a lot of the players are already on the beach they're, they're looking they're looking to the the fa cup final and that's it really and you know like looking like we'll turn up for that game and all the other ones will just have a run around and a kickabout um and and you know it, it's it's frustrating to see because it feels like you know the mentality needs to be there to fight for these places even if even if they don't appear important to the players because you know what's the difference between third and fourth in in material terms but there's still a very real chance Chelsea can come fifth and and if they keep letting things slip they may well because Spurs and Arsenal are doing much better I just feel like since we got knocked out of the Champions League they kind of just gave up it was kind of just like well there's nothing else for us to win you know fuck it let's just turn up and do whatever and I feel like with everything else you've said, it's not really an excuse for me because even you're talking about yeah, when the FA Cup final, but if we're playing like this, we're hundred percent losing. We'll probably lose like three 0 or two 0 to Liverpool. I just don't see these players suddenly turning up for an FA Cup final. Not the way they've they been. will though. They will turn up for it. That's the thing, and it will be a close game. You know it will because because Chelsea are always like the Chelsea always play like their own opponents so if they're playing you know someone who's not very good they'll play poorly maybe they'll win maybe they won't if they're playing a good team like man city or or liverpool they'll usually play up to that standard i don't know why it's just what they do but they'll turn up in the final whether they win or not is a completely another question but i do expect the mentality to be there for the final because it's a final but yeah. all these other games it's it's just it's frustrating not- to watch because like as well even me i've been quite vocal about how i personally feel we need a massive clear out like even as much as Chelsea fans love him and he's from the academy, or whatever, I just I personally wouldn't keep Loftus Cheek. I don't want him around as a, whether as a squad player, or whatever. I just feel like he's not good enough for us. I mean, yeah, he's twenty six and whatever, but I feel like that boat has sailed for him. I mean, even that Wolves game, he wasn't that great for me in my opinion. There's moments of brilliance that he has where he's like, you know, he's pressing and he wins the ball high up in the final third. But then, other than that, he doesn't do much. Like that Kovacic Loftus Cheek midfield, or whatever, I was like. It, it didn't do it for me, you know. I wasn't compelled at all. I just feel like we need to, we need a massive clear out again. Like players like Pulisic, I don't know why he's wearing Hazard's number ten in the first place. You know, that's sacrilege to have his number ten, um, to Hazard's number ten in my opinion. But he needs to go. We we need to get rid of a lot of players. You know, like Saul can go straight back to Atletico Madrid. That's not even up for debate. Like he has no business even being here on loan. I don't know why that loan even happened. Um, Saar can, like I said last time, he's still young enough to go to university. He should look into that. <laughs> um, there's something to be done there, but it's just we need to get rid of a lot of players. And, you know, once Burley's contract situation behind the club is sorted out, we can get into that properly. I feel like things will look better when Burley's whole situation gets over the line. I feel like a lot of people online are kind of... Again, everyone on Twitter is an expert with no background in anything, but a lot of people don't really understand the whole makeup of the cell. So what's happened is in total it's over like four billion pounds or whatever. And in the contract, there's some stipulations that 1.75 billion pounds has to be committed to rebuilding Stamford Bridge, investing in the women's team, um, investing in the women's stadium, which is I think Kings Meadow and the Academy as well. And so there's also something called anti-glazer clause, which people have been confused about. And essentially what it is, is that it binds the new owners, which is Burley and Clear Lake Capital, which is a private equity firm, into not being able to pay dividends for 10 years. 
So essentially, they can't take any money out of the club to pay the shareholders for the next 10 years, which is a great clause, in my opinion. And essentially, it stops Clearlit Capital from just leeching off the club for at least 10 years. And what that is, is people are saying, oh, yeah, like it's terrible for Chelsea because it's a private equity firm. And, you know, they're only going to be treating them like a business. Well, at least for 10 years, they can't do that. For 10 years, all they can do is put money in, essentially. And 10 years of investment is a lot of time, especially with £1.75 billion being committed to both the men's team, the stadium itself, and the women's team as well, because the women's team is an important part of Chelsea's identity. You know, They've been quite successful. I think they won the Women's Premier League, I think, this season. They won it today, yeah. yeah. Had a brilliant comeback against Man United today. Yeah, the Chelsea's women's team. You know, so they're doing better than the men. Like. But um, besides that, anyway, I feel like, people are kind of not sure of how the whole Burley and Clear Lake Capital thing works. And they're saying, you know, oh, they're Americans, they don't do well and this and that. And people keep trying to apply Burley's um, tactics with like the Dodgers and whatever to football. And like, they're completely different sports. You can't do that. You know, people are saying, oh yeah, he's great at signing free agents for Dodgers or whatever. But like the money involved in baseball, or whatever it is, you can't compare that to running a football club. It's completely different. And I feel like Burley, you know, he's been present, you know, he's been at the games, he's been watching and everything. So I feel I feel like we should give him a chance. I feel like he actually might be a decent owner for us in the long run. For the, for the sake of, like, devil's advocate, yeah, I will just say this, yeah. American owner of football does not go hand in hand. Chelsea is very is a very Chelsea trait for you guys to have the one good American owner. But one thing I'd like to say is that Liverpool, I know they're fantastic now, but they're solely carried by their scouting network. If we're being very sincere, Liverpool don't spend money. That Van Dijk thing was a once in a blue moon type of thing. And then if we're looking at United, fucking hell. Like, if you look at the Buccaneers, obviously you can't compare the two different sports, but these people do not take football properly. They don't treat it as passionately as we do. And I believe I even saw a quote that he essentially is buying Chelsea to help you guys, but he does want to make his own money as well. He is a businessman first. So I do believe that Chelsea was smart to put all these precautions in place, but these are businessmen. They'll find one way or the other to get a pro in their direction. I don't agree with the Liverpool part, though, because Liverpool spends money, but they spend it well. That's one thing people don't get. People no, no, mistake. That's, what, that's what I mean. Like they, they spend money well, but what I mean is like they won't take a head-on race with anybody. Even if it's a player they need, like you know, Chelsea. Like um, one thing that I'm sure you guys loved about Abramovich was he does things with an ego. If United buy Haaland, Abramovich would say, "What? Let me buy Messi or something." That's one thing you're gonna miss. That's why I'm Uh glad that we don't. That's one one thing that we're losing that I'm actually quite happy for because if Burley was here, we we wouldn't have signed Lukaku. I know that for a fact. You know, the way he was talking, he was shaking bunda for you guys. Not the whole thing of like spending. We've spent money, money <laughs> more than any other Premier League team in like the since the Premier League started. Basically, you know, we spent a hundred million on Lukaku. We spent fifty-four million on Pulisic. We How much on Havertz? Havertz was like seventy-something million, but he won the Champions League. So how much was Ariza Balaga? Signings like that. I would be very happy happy if we took a spending approach at Liverpool because the thing is Liverpool does spend money like they spent over seventy million on Allison, over seventy million on Van Dijk, and they've got players like Luis Diaz for what thirty five million pounds. If Chelsea was to ever spend money like that, I would be ecstatic. The thing with Liverpool is their scouting so good, and they get in early before everyone else, and they wrap deals up very quickly. You don't hear this whole transfer saga of Liverpool like oh yeah, you know they might sign him, but you know 
talks have stalled over this. Oh, they might sign him. Oh, you see is an announcement video. That's it. Literally, you hear the one time. And next thing you know, LFC's tweeting, welcome to Anfield. That's how <laughs> so quick. Whereas the thing is, though, is like Liverpool, like like you said, like the way Liverpool are run, like that's something that we we can look forward to having with, with Chelsea to like you know like data driven analytical scouting, which is what we really need, especially when we're trying to build a team for Tuchel. Who you know, like you can say about anything about Liverpool's approach and about Man City's approach, but you know what they've done is they've kept the same manager and they've let the manager not to not fully, but you know they've let their managers to a degree choose a selection of players that they need and and once you've got a whole squad of players that you've actually picked you know you're always going to play that little bit better anyway because you know you know what each player can do and you know what they're what they're able to do so I think Chelsea will be able to actually sort of combine a little bit the Man City and Liverpool approaches where you're still going to get some of those big statement signings. And it was said, um, I think, in the news today that um, Bowley and Clearlake are still looking to make some statement signings this summer um, to, you know, to say, you know, hey, we're not screwing around here. Here we are in the Premier League. But we're also going to have that backbone of data-driven analytical scouting, which is which has been so important for Liverpool's success. And, um, and, and people do have the right to be, uh, you know, confused and maybe a little bit frightened of the, of the concept of a private equity fund um, being a part of the ownership. But you've got private equity funds quite a lot in, in the Premier League. You know, on the good side, you do have one like Liverpool. On the poor side, you've got one a bit more like Burnley and, you know, who've saddled their club with debt. Or, you know, like you've, got, you've also got owners who are good and bad without being that anyway. You know, you've got the Glazers who aren't a private equity firm and they're just the Glazers, right? At the same time, you've got someone like Tony Bloom for Brighton, who's absolutely brilliant for them. So, you know, I, I think the problem is, is I think there's still, there's going to be a lot of speculation until we kind of learn what actually is going to happen with Bowley and Clear Lake and all the rest of it. But in my opinion, the future's bright. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like not having a sugar daddy to open his purse whenever we want someone is going to force us to make smart signings because when Roman was there, you know, sometimes we rush into decisions just purely because we had the money or, you know, we don't want to wait till, you know, like an extra year for the contract to run down. Let's go out and spend 60 million on this guy. And then it doesn't work because we've not looked into how well he'll fit into the team or whatever. We just know that oh, we're scared of someone else buying him and we want him rather than him playing against us. Let's spend this money and it doesn't work. Again, I'll refer back to Lukaku because that's the most recent thing. But all these guys sound so spoiled. I, I must, know. Be nice. must be nice to have an owner that was opening wallet. Do you know how tight United <laughs> owners are? <laughs> <laughs> These guys are just saying willy nilly. Oh, I'm so happy we don't have an owner to spend money. If you don't shut up. No, I'm not saying what that. <laughs> we do sound. We do sound like that. You know that. Enjoyed Mike life for how many years? Only well, bought me a Mercedes. God damn it's it! You know. <laughs> look at it this way yeah if you're always spending money recklessly it doesn't work just look at this that's a you problem the last smart signing we made which i love him and everything he's done for us was tiago silva yeah 37 he's gonna leave in like the next season and a half before him our last smart signing was kovacic between then, everyone else we've signed is pretty much... I mean, Havertz was a good signing for the long-term future of the club, but for the price that we've paid and everything, it's like, could we have gotten him any cheaper, like, waited a little bit? Probably, yeah. probably not. But in that time, we've spent so much money and wasted it. Like, we've bought players we didn't need 
under Abramovich loads of times, you know, that summer where we brought Bakayoko, Alonso, Batshuayi, Giroud. Gilabodji, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget him. Yeah, like, bro, that was £150 million spent and the only good player to come out of it was Giroud. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> it's mad. £150 mil on six guys, only one guy banged. It's not, like, you can't excuse that as saying, well, at least he's... But that's what we're, and that's what we're getting at, is, you know, like, it's going to be good because, you know, Bowley and Clearlake, roughly, I think, have about a similar buying power to Roman. You know, it's not just one person, granted, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a private equity firm. But, you know, you've still got a similar level of buying power. And actually, people who are actually going to treat their money a bit smarter, and that will actually help Chelsea in the long run. If we were forced to make signings the way Liverpool do, I would not complain at all. I feel like people who have supported teams who don't necessarily splash out the way Chelsea have, they think they want that. They want an owner to be like, oh, yeah, you want this person, here's 200 million, go buy him right now. But the thing with Liverpool is they only need to make, they don't even, you don't even see them competing in summer windows because they make their signings quick and beforehand anyway. Like, I can't remember the last time Liverpool... Oh, value. I can't remember, when was the last time Liverpool ever bought like five players in one window? Or four even? They don't really need to do that because every window, their signings are strategic. They recognise where their weaknesses are and they say, okay, we've watched this guy for X amount of time. We're going to get him. You don't hear anything in the sun saying, oh yeah, Liverpool linked this guy. You know, he might be going here. And them doing all this nonsense. They're fighting out with this club but and that club. That's the other reason though, that like Chelsea, Chelsea, it's good to have like a change coming in higher up at Chelsea because... We our scouting is is really really poor. Like we have um, our head scouts a guy named Scott McLaughlin who 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 scouted Saul for two years. McLaughlin. Two years <laughs> he scouted him and still thought that he was a good choice for Chelsea Football Club. Oh my! Like it's, uh, the man must be blind. But you know, like, and that's why it's going to be so good to ha- to have Bowley come in because this will cause like a bit of a clear out of like you know the the dross you know upstairs and downstairs at Chelsea and that's really what we need because we've got so much dead wood and we really need to trim the rotten fat out of our club can I say something yeah I think when it comes to signings yeah things went downhill considerably when Emanalo left as right Emanalo left we started doing all kinds of bullshit I'm not gonna lie because Emanalo was very good at picking a player and saying this is what the club needs and getting that done when things went over to being in Marina's control, she's a good negotiator, but I don't, she's not, she's not, she doesn't have any football knowledge. That's the only That's all she does. She, she, I think she only negotiates the prices really, which, which creates a lot of issues because, you know, like she, she never accepts less than what she really wants. And like, she's really good at making the deals work. But the downside of that is sometimes with like Kunde last, last summer, we couldn't get him because like, severe messed us around or whatever and wanted more money so we just backed out of the deal you know similarly the way we we allowed a lot of our you know younger players to leave but for like 20 million 6 million 40 million whatever and then we didn't let you know like Bakayoko leave for like 1.5 million no we extended his contract and sent him out on loan again what are we doing he's been on loan for six years bro I'm taking a piss it hasn't it might do you know what it actually might be six years seriously Bakayoko, he came in the 2016-17 window with Conte and he's yeah. been on loan for like five seasons. Why? Your loan army is dangerous. I honestly believe, yeah, knowing Abramovich and his whole ties to Russia or whatever, some of these loans were money laundering. That's human trafficking. Oh this is human trafficking. He must have been washing money through buying these players. Yeah, and loaning them trafficking. Out. 
That's and, what it felt like with a uh, Morata. Like, how many teams have bought him for like seventy million, and he's trash. Like, he's so poor, and yeah. like just. People keep buying it. His agent must be like so good. Same with you know like Falcao. His agent must be amazing because he he went he went to Chelsea and Man United back to back and flopped at both. I just don't understand how that whole thing works because some of the players we've got in our books are so questionable. It's like why did, Matt Miazga? Why is he still there? He's the American dude. He's on loan every season for no reason. Of Pearson. Pearson, yeah. Yeah, we like we're, we're going to call this like you know this point in history. We're going to call it like the Drinkwater Higuain era. You know, it's just like just nonsense, pointless signings. You know, just like just because I still can't wrap my head around that we bought Danny Daniel Drinkwater for like thirty six million or whatever it was, and all he's done is <laughs> Premier League winner. Like, by the way, all he's yeah. done is get into fights in clubs and and go on loan into like the Turkish league or whatever. He's been so poor, and like that's the sort of you know like with it, for every single you know big money signing that Chelsea make. There's like three or four drink wars, you know, and that's the what we're looking forward to with Bowley coming in because the money's going to be spent properly and we're not going to have like a 50-50 toss-up every single time. If like, oh, you know, is he going to be any good or is he just going to be dreadful and it's more money wasted? And as well, some of the decisions we've made, like letting certain players go and then later on seeing them flourish and then thinking, oh, we should have brought them back. So letting Tomori go was a brain-dead decision. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because look at our centre back situation now. Having and Gehi. Yeah, Gwehi oh, yeah. and Tomori. Is that, what is the reason behind that? To pick to let those two go and keep Christensen when he's probably the least physical centre back. No, I'm not gonna speak on the reasons why. I'm just saying I'm not gonna speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I dead that though, but letting Gwehi and Tomori go and keeping Christensen, who's in my opinion our least physical centre back. It's just like mind-boggling because now we're watching him flourish in Milan and we're thinking if we kept him and Rudiger was going, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It honestly wouldn't have been that deep. We let two centre-backs go and now Rudiger's going and we're looking at our, our starting lineup as it stands is Saar and Chaloba. And Silva. Like, at least two centre-backs. The world-class in the back. It's ridiculous. And even as much as I love him and he's our captain, like he's our longest serving player or whatever, and he's a club legend. Like as Pliquator, he has to at some point move on. Like Ivanovic is better than him though. Oh, I love Ivanovic. Like, yeah, that's what I, I think that's another thing, like, you know, Chelsea's approach has always been like, you know, with sacking the managers and everything. It's kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier. You've got like uh, you know, like the teams we're competing against, which is Man City and Liverpool. Well, I mean, at the moment it's Spurs and Arsenal, but the teams we're supposed to be competing against is is Man City, Liverpool. And the way they they have things is, you know, like they, their squads are made up of like one or two managers, players, tops. Chelsea have like six managers, players in their team, all different systems, all different signings, all you know, some of them were good. Some of them weren't for each system, you know, like it's just like it just doesn't work at all. Like, you know, we got Zappa Costa and then he left and no, we got Zappa Costa who, and then Conte left. And we we had sorry like sorry to has no need for a player like that and you know so we we've got to we've got to get it right and that's why Tuchel's so important in my opinion for Chelsea going forward is we've got to get it right in terms of like you know making sure that we build around him yeah as well even that mention as well like the whole thing of managers leaving so often and leaving their players behind it's been a problem as well with like even that season where when we won the Champions League and you know we had Emerson playing again. 
yeah, he was actually doing pretty decent at left back and I was enjoying watching him again. And then we chucked him out and then kept Alonso. And it's like, why did that happen? Like, fair enough, Alonso gets goals, but he's good going forward and that's great and all. But the main thing you want your fullback to be good at is defending above all else. You know, I'd rather have, if it came down to it, a fullback who's really good at defending, but his attacking output is average or okay. Because Play him striker uh, at least once before the end of the season, please. I really want Alonso. it to happen. I've been calling for it for yeah. years. Alonso at striker. <laughs> he actually has it in him. I can't lie. Do it. Do it in the FA Cup final. I don't care. Like, just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually surprisingly think it would, it would surprisingly work because he has goals in him, and it's clear defending is not his forte. So. I feel like, you know, Tuchel obviously gets a lot of harsh stick for having such a poor squad. It's funny to say that because Chelsea spend money as well. But I feel like it just means you guys have got to put more emphasis on your academy. you got guys like Colwell, uh, guys like Matson doing well. There's quite a few youngsters that you've got that have potential to make it for you. So I feel like that's one point where you need to improve and obviously your data and analytical driven signings need to happen as well and the statement signings all three together. And we'll see whether you... Manchester Challenge City in Liverpool or you'll be with us and you know I think we can challenge you but this is where we now come to the Arsenal section so these last few weeks I've just been too happy right now like you know we had a little patch where we lost that three games on the bounce but we bounced back well with wins against the likes of West Ham wins against United Chelsea and then obviously today we've beaten Leeds 2-1 it's closer than it should have been to be fair like it's kind of like a fake result because I think Leeds' first shot was actually a goal, which is quite funny. But yeah, what did you guys think of the game before I go into it? Do you know what I think? I think you should keep him Katia. I think he at least deserves, whether you get a new striker or whatever, I think he at least deserves to be your second striker, regardless of what happens. I feel like that interview he done and then how he's translated that onto the pitch, he deserves to get a chance to at least stay at the club and prove his worth. I feel like it would be a shame for him to... I know a lot of Arsenal fans listening probably think, nah, let him go or whatever, but... You'd be surprised, no? Yeah, I've been talking a lot of them rating, though. with Chelsea. Like, I personally didn't want Giroud to go. It would have been amazing if we had Giroud as a second option to just be there to, you know, someone that you can rely on who's been steadfast. And I think Nketiah has been that for you. You know, he got a brace against Leeds today and that just goes to show that you just need to give some players a chance sometimes. And I feel like later on, if you let Nketiah go, it might come back to bite you. If, for example, you buy two new strikers and they don't gel straight away, at least you know that you'd have Nketiah to rely on in certain games where it could be like playing against a Wolves or whatever, where you know, OK, let's play him and then your star signing who's your striker or whatever, you can play him in a bigger game. I feel like you guys should keep him. Is this all too good to be true? Because Arsenal <laughs> always do this. Always do this. Then next year, it's going to be out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, or one or two signings. And then, oh, shit, it's going to be out, yeah. Then Lewandowski comes and humbles you. This is the first episode that I've said this. Lewandowski is not going to happen, trust me. Bareback Arsenal. In Allianz Arena and in Emirates. He's going to bareback Arsenal, I'm telling you. Next season, it's going to be... It's gonna Emery, be by the way. He failed, he failed against Emery. I'm just saying. Uh, next season, it's going to be... Yeah, like, it's going to be Arsenal losing 9-1 on aggregate to Bayern in the Champions League round of 16. And it, it, and, and order will be restored. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this is not the Wenger days. 
All the stars were This is not the Wenger days, bro. Do you know what? I'm excited to see Arsenal in Champions League because it will remind yeah. their fan base how far off the mark they still are. Like, fair enough, the rebuild's been off to a decent start, but you're not there yet. I feel like a lot of Arsenal fans think, you know, oh, yeah, we've been doing okay in Premier League and we're like, if we beat Spurs in the NLD, we're back in Champions League. Like, bro, Zenit will send you home. <laughs> okay, you, let, let's have some shame now. Okay, okay, I'm ready now. I think, you know what, like, I, I think, you know, I think, I think you won't expect it though, because I think Arsenal are like, you've, you've done really well this season, but, you know, let's not forget that Arsenal have only been playing like a game a week for months, whereas like, you know, you've got the, you know, if you throw in Champions League and then FA Cup and all the rest of it, like suddenly you're playing a lot more games and you've got to rely on that depth and, and who is that depth? Well, it's not the best. So, and, and, and at that point, you know, things start to unravel. And so I think you've got to be wary. And I, I think you've got to make some really strong summer signings. I really like um, the way Anketi is looking as well. I think it's been really good man management from Arteta. Imagine, imagine yeah, Arsenal yeah. Like, and they've got to bring on Tino down 85th minute and who they're bringing on, Nuno Tavares. Mohamed El Nenny, save the day. Let's, let's cut the drinks for a sec. This is where we need to add context to our season. Because of, yeah, you could say that we played one game a week, but we knew that was going to happen after the bad season we had last season finishing eighth. So we purposely, if anything, had a very trimmed down squad. Like the likes of William Saliba went on loan to Marseille. He could have been squad depth for us, for example. He'll come back next season. The likes of, who else have we got? I'm trying to think. We even let Aubameyang go because he wasn't even scoring that many goals as he used to and his link-up play wasn't really flourishing. If Erdegaard gets injured, there's no really, not really backup there exactly, unless it's Smith Rowe, who goes to number 10. So, is everybody knows we will, we will add more to our squad depth. We haven't got like the biggest squad, but if anything, we have to give a lot of praise to Arteta because imagine playing guys like Tavares and Cedric, and we're still in this top four fight where the likes of um, United have faltered. I don't have to imagine. The likes of. <laughs> this is not imagination, this is reality for me. <laughs> and then we're one point behind you guys as well even mm-hmm. though you might say you've given up we're still one point behind you like you guys should be embarrassed by that if we're being really honest I don't like really guys that. like Rob Holding Mohamed Onani they're playing regular games and we're still one point behind you with um, potential to improve the squad but let's forget you know moaning about squad depth if anything our, our young players have stepped up really well because yeah. if you look at the entire like front line. Uh Bukayo Saka's got more than 10 goals and assists in the league. Martinelli's got 10 goals and assists in the league. Um Smith Rowe's also got more than 10 goals and assists in the league. And then Enketi, I think, was hitting that mark today, I think, in all competitions. So it shows you that all of our young players have stepped up. And that's where that's what United need. You need some of your youngsters from Carrington to step up maybe to help your squad as well as signings too. Not given a chance because they're not marketable yet. That's Apollo United. <laughs> like no one's no one's gonna buy a new shoe because of Mengi fam. Nah, you <laughs> just but honestly, no, you give someone like a, a 10 minute cameo. Like, who was that guy who got like 10 minute a 10 minute cameo in a game and like got like a yellow card or something? Was that Mezbri? Uh, Mez, Mez <laughs> yeah, wait, you could you could market him, you you know, hashtag Mev boom or whatever, and you know, before you know it, you make 10 million on shirt sales. Saw it. <laughs> Oh my god, like I'm not gonna lie here. Of all the players that should have that boom thing, it should be Shaka, you know. Because Shaka is he's patented, he's patenting that um long shot. Like Pogba will score long shot like that. 
I don't know why we chose Pogba for that. Like, Pogba scores one long shot like every two years. So <laughs> Pogba's gone into the, the the woods where it belongs, but I don't know, man. But keep no, for, real, for real, though, I I think Arsenal like will be there or thereabouts next season. But I think um, you guys have got to prepare for some inconsistency, especially in your young players. It's, Chelsea are learning that now. You know, even with a lot of our players who aren't so young, you know, with, with more games comes more, you know, like a, a more chances to make mistakes and things like that. And you'll, they'll rise to a, the occasion on lots of games because you've got players like Smith, Rowan and Ketia who are, who are really, really good and Saka as well. But um, I, I would just say, I, I think fans not should lower their expectations, but I think they should uh, understand about like sort of being realistic about what having a, quite a young squad actually means. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I feel like we're going to surprise a lot of people next season. Obviously, I'm not talking about the top two, but I feel we could finish third next season. I really do. Aye. And the reason why, the reason why I say that before you guys start on me, <laughs> you've seen the rumors. Before you guys start on me, you've seen the rumors. It seems that we want to buy Gabriel Jesus and that we're in front of the queue for him. There was some rumors saying that we want Victor Osimhen as our first choice striker as well. So Osimhen and Osimhen and Enketia, that'd be good. Tillemans um, as well. You want? Tillemans has been linked. I'm not like, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he's very good on the ball. I can't lie, he's very good on the ball. But now he's got a long shot. On him. Yeah, he does. He does. Also, and then who else are we linked? We if have more pool than you right the, now. If the player is not French, he's not going to Arsenal, bro. I also don't have pool. And Gadoe Gabriel's just been bowling at Man City. Why is he going to go to Arsenal, bro? Pep will get out of Holland. Huh? <laughs> I don't want to go to City, bro. City. Don't worry, man. My God is a living God. Well, I'm going to say that you men are playing Conference League, so you can't chat to us now. It's all right. I don't mind, bro. Ronaldo will score hat tricks in Conference League. That's fine, bro. We'll win the Conference that's League. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to say Conference League football. At least that's a trophy, bro. My team will be winning against um, <laughs> Azerbaijan or whatever. <laughs> we, might well it, we might as well call it the Morley's Cup flipping Conference League Morley's Cup basically I do not mind bro Ronaldo will play so good in the Conference League break the record I'm going to Ballon d'Or mark my words I, I can't <laughs> wait Ballon for Jesus about? to snub Arsenal and just go to like Frankfurt or something thank you Frankfurt or Inter or some shit <laughs> you're not going to Arsenal well, yeah. why are you going to I Arsenal? think what a downgrade. One player I want sorry, one player I want to ask you guys about is what you think about Tomiyasu because obviously he's had a few injury issues, but for me, he was our man in the match today. Even though we had like at least 16 chances created today, I feel like the biggest difference compared to the games we lost is having Tomiyasu there. Because mm. what's amazing about him is that he's both footed, he can play right back, can play right center back, he, he can play across the whole defense. He played left back today and was amazing. Like he dealt with Rafinha so easily, he got Russell then. And, Rafinha got subbed off. Like, he was... What do you guys think of Tomiyasu, basically? Where did he come from? I feel like Arsenal always gets lucky of buying them random players that just bang for no reason. Not because he's scout. <laughs> he's from Bologna. Yeah, but it's just like, he's like... For starters, yeah. Not being racist or anything. I know that... Nah, no, careful, be careful, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> being racist too, but in football, generally speaking, yeah, it's very difficult to find Japanese players that are very good. Take that back. Generally speaking, no, I'm not being racist at all because Asia's produced a lot of good players, obviously, like Parchi, Sun, whatever. But it's not I that Japan, especially Japan, Japan's cold. It's mainly China. Yeah, no, I disagree with that as well, actually. Yeah, no, yeah, had, like, Japan had an excellent World Cup a few years ago. Yeah, yeah mm. don't get me wrong, they produce players like Honda and that, but generally, a Japanese right back, like he's the only good Japanese right back I've seen personally. Yeah, to yeah. be fair, like Yoshida, for example, was good for Southampton for years. They produce um Cam um Kamada for Frankfurt, who's very good technically. I really rate him a lot. Yeah. So I feel like Japan are still like they're slowly on the up, but 
aside from that, Tomiyasu has been amazing for us. And I think we're linked to another Bologna right back or left back too called Aaron Hickey. He's a oh, that Scottish, Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah. He's from Hearts. He went to Bologna. Now he's linked with Napoli, Juventus and linked with us as well. So <laughs> I feel like he wants to make that next step to the Premier League from the Inters I've been seeing. So you've lost that one. I think, yeah, it'll be yeah, great. Tomiyasu is decent. Like, I think he's good. He's a good squad player for you guys. I don't know if he'll set the world on fire, but I, I think he's he's certainly like a... He's certainly someone you want to keep around. He, at the end of this season, you know, like if you've got like a keep, buy, sell, loan, what list, whatever, he's definitely on the keep list for sure. How old is he as well? Is that 23, 24? Um, he is 23. Yeah, I feel like with a player like that who can play basically, he can practically play anywhere along your back line. Like. He's two-footed as well, which helps so much. He can play anywhere in defence. And we're sorting. kind of signings are the kind of thing I want Chelsea to do because a player like that is great to have like Clearly, he's amazing, but he gets injured too often. So having a player too like Tomiyasu... Reminds me of like Azpilicueta being like a really good utility player. Yeah, that's what he reminds me of. But I didn't want to jump to that conclusion. But when we first bought Aspi and he could play either on the right or the left, that's kind of what they have in Tomiyasu. And I thought you definitely need to keep a player like that. And as well, as he might not be a world beater, but he's, great squad, he's a great squad option. And I feel like you need players like that to build up. Because then later on, you can then go and buy like a statement right back or whatever and say, okay, yeah, we have him and Tomiyasu to rotate with. And then you don't have to ever worry about that side of the pitch. Lads, wait for the Bayern Munich test, man. Just wait for the Bayern Munich test. 17-0 on aggregate. Lewandowski scores 12 in the second leg. (laughs) I have a feeling, I don't know why, but I have a feeling that Arsenal's going to get an easy Champions League group. I don't know why, but I have a feeling... that if they finish, if they will, practically they will finish top four. I thought they're going to get a relatively easy Champions League. It's well, not the same. Yeah, you wait for a lot to wrap up Arsenal. You go give them <laughs> Arsenal another play for this for for this group. We allow Arsenal to have Messi back <laughs> just just to play game. <laughs> <laughs> they love to punish Arsenal, bro. I don't know. The thing is, the things I don't think you men are deep in is that. A Villarreal team that started Cochrane left mid got all the way to the semi-final. I'm just saying that anything can happen. Like Salzburg, the likes of Sporting, Emerson Porto, Man. Benfica, all you know, make the knockouts and stuff. So why can't we? Like we'll be fine. That's because like, Emery's an elite I, manager. To be fair, like, you can't compare. Mark no, Mark. I hate him so much. Let's <laughs> 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 not even. <laughs> if I start to relive my memories from uni, oh my gosh, yeah. best best of the generation. To be honest, you know. <laughs> The league is so much better. I asked before we move on from this after segment. Sorry, the league is so much better when Arsenal struggling. I'm just waiting. For yeah, that before we, no, we won't struggle. Don't worry. What What do you guys think? Because I'm very like confident that we can even challenge for third next season. What do you think that Arsenal needs to do to challenge for that position? Because that's what I'm aiming for. That and quarterfinals of Champions League, maybe. I relax. I quarterfinals. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let me set up for this one still. So why can we not? Tell me. Best Arsenal fans, bro. I love what you're Clip having. me. I don't care. Clip me. You you went, why can't we do it? You went for three new against Brentford and then I talk about the Champions League of... That's like Stephen Hawking saying, I'm going to run in the Olympics next year. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> relax, oh, relax, relax, relax. Slow down. <laughs> the most you're getting next year is fourth and you, you're going to get knocked out of your group and go to Europa League. That's what. Like, oh, <laughs> no, have shame, please. No, I'm uh, no. I'll tell. I'll tell you what you end up with. You'll get like a, a you, what you need is you need like a decent striker, 
you know, like a, a proper statement striker who is going to stay fit all season, who, you know, who's going to be consistent for you guys. You probably need like a couple more signings just for depth, probably, probably in defence and midfield, one or two. And then I reckon you'll probably make, you'll at least be top five. You'll be there or thereabouts. You know, you never know what happens in a season. You could be anywhere from third to fifth. I think, uh, and I think if you get if you're in the Champions League, I do think you'll be knocked out. But you'll go really far in the Europa, hundred percent. We're we're not getting knocked out of the groups. Let's be honest. Bro. Look at the Champions League this season, yeah. I want to repeat again. So the games that were in the round of sixteen were Benfica, Ajax, Inter, Liverpool, Villarreal, Juventus. Juventus washed. Juventus made the round of sixteen. I'm just saying. Every every so team there beats Arsenal, though. Yeah. Have shame. Let's have some shame. <laughs> Villarreal, that Emery's Villarreal is 100% beat Arsenal. 100%. They played Etienne Caput and Francis Coquelin. Please have some shame, people. And they, they were, again, we played them in the Super Cup. They're no joke. Exactly. If not for Rulli's... That's a the joke there, clearly. If not for Rulli's bribery, Villarreal knock out Liverpool. Tell me I'm lying. <laughs> Tell me, if the keeper wasn't bribed, Liverpool are out of the Champions League. I'm saying this with my chest. So, Arsenal... This is, like, this is the United side of the now, Kai, now be so genuine. Kai, I need to calm down. I said quarterfinals. <laughs> God is alive, you know. God is alive. Have some, have some decorum. You see, you will see. Don't worry, you will see. Let's it's clip this, and we'll come back to this moment. We, we, we will be there. Watch. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'll do it. Karis, I want you to bet a hundred pounds right now that Arsenal goes to quarterfinals of Champions League. Yeah, hundred pounds. With me, bro. I'm trying to buy a hundred pounds right now. Arsenal. I'm trying to buy a car, you know. Well, how confident are you? Put your money. No, I'm very confident, but I need to yeah, see my piece. No, so say a hundred pounds, bro. A hundred pounds. Arsenal goes quarterfinals. Yes or no? A hundred pounds or forfeit. Pick one. A <laughs> hundred pounds or forfeit. I'm not I'll making no bets, man. Sorry, because you're not because you, you're not confident. That's why. That's why you're not making no bets. You no, know, because I, I'm a student doing my master's degree, and I'm trying I'm to so sell my car unit. So am I. Even you. A hundred pounds. We're not all loaded. We're not, you're not going to quarterfinals. It's not happening. We will be there. Don't worry. I'm very Six confident. Bars, I'll we'll be there. It. I'll forfeit. He knows they're not going there. <laughs> nah, no, no, no. Quarterfinals are the Europa for sure. <laughs> I said Europa. That's what where you man will be eventually. Don't worry. You couldn't. Even yeah, no. Nah. You're you're gonna get knocked out by Borussia Mönchengladbach. You know. Don't make it up. What I want to say is that Kevin's the only one that can't laugh, so it's fine. What do you mean? I can't laugh. We're winning. We're winning the conference. You'll be playing final. We're winning. We're winning it though. I'll we'll win the conference league. No cap. No, no, no. You're gonna lose to FC Sheriff or something like that. Just yeah, watch. you're gonna get knocked out <laughs> by like Deportivo or something. Ah, uh, bro. Or if Red Star Belgrade. If that happens, yeah, then I want the whole United team to be. Actually, no, let me not say that. Let me not say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you now, you're not winning conference, bro. You're gonna get knocked. How can we? Not? Okay, let's actually analyze this. How? Who's gonna stop us in conference league? Rangers. Rangers will be Champions League. Carabag FC. That's like Carabag FC. You're not actually winning Conference League. I can tell you that. Well, the Conference League. Maccabee Tel Aviv. Tell me one slap Roma right now. Do you? <laughs> tell me you're not one slap the current Roma team. Tammy Abraham. Abraham will finish you, man. It's Tammy Abraham. Abraham. Oh my I can't lie. Tammy Abraham might retire Maguire, bro. Tammy Abraham. Okay, okay, okay. Maguire is questionable, yeah, but if we drop him for Conference League games, we will win it. <laughs> I'm telling you, teams that PSV will slap you. Don't worry, you'll see. Oh, they won't. No way, Ten Hag. We're talking about high pressing football. Imagine <laughs> high pressing football with Matic in midfield. 
Matic is leaving. Matic is leaving. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, with, with one Bissaka at right back. What don't are you worry, on bro. about? Don't worry, they'll all leave. They'll all leave. See, this is why you guys can't chat on Arsenal. You have to focus on yourselves. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Chelsea, are you... You've got Leeds. Leeds are pissed about this game. They're going to come for you. Just wait. Leeds are coming. Mate, 100%. 100%. The Leeds that turned up against Arsenal today are not going to be the same team that turned up against Chelsea next week. Daniel James is going to finish you, man. Just wait. We're going to lose like 5-1 next week because they're just like going to turn into like Barcelona. We're losing 2-1 to Leeds. Remember I said it on the pod. (laughs) We have no faith in us right now. We're saying it with chest as well. We, we've got absolutely zero faith in our team right Two now. Two one to Leeds, and we're all just going to be pissed. Con's going to make some Twitter space, crying about whatever. Like it's just really wrong, bro. <laughs> Two one Leeds. I'm saying it now. Two one Leeds. I just, I don't see that team beating Leeds. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I feel like this has been a very good podcast today. Very productive. A bit too much Arsenal slander, but you man will see. We'll be in the quarterfinals. That's all I'm going to say. Quote me on this. Clip it. Everything you'll see. I'm going to well, go pray for you after this pod. Because you need spiritual healing. Yeah, it's been another great episode. It's been me, Denzel, my co-host, Kevin and Karis. We also had our special guest back, Ollie. We hope to have him back for another episode. Make sure to follow the podcast at the BTB pod. Make sure to listen and rate the podcast on both Spotify and Apple. Um, Ollie, do you want to put your socials there so they can follow you as well? Yeah, just follow me uh, at O-L-I-J Carpenter. That's C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. Uh, and you should be able to find me if you like. Uh, if you like me talking about absolute nonsense, give me a follow. And I'll be doing some podcasting stuff on my own soon too. So check me out. Yeah, that's all we say. We hope you're listening for the next episode. See you guys later.